The following presentation has been prepared by the Video Tax News team for Canadian tax and financial professionals. Program recorded August 18th, 2020. Enjoy! Welcome to the September edition of Life in the Tax Lane. How are you guys doing today? You know, I, I'm feeling great. And the reason why, it's the back to school slash send your kid down the hall to look at a computer, <laughs> not get any work day edition. How are you doing, Hugh? Well, we're past Labor Day. That's the one day of work every year. So now it's just smooth sailing to the end of the year. Uh, I don't know where the year went, though. I can't believe it's September. Joe, what do we need to think about for the rest of the year? Well, let's start off by talking about CPP. When do I apply for CPP? This is the thing. If you apply early, you will get a reduction of payments later on, and it could be reduced all the way down by 38%, pardon me, 36% if you take it as early as age 60. If you delay it, you can get a bumped up amount. If you delay it to age 70, you can get up to 40% increase in your future payments. So the real question here is, are you better off taking it earlier, delaying it, what do you wanna do? So we actually have a wonderful report uh, brought out by some very authoritative sources relating to actuaries. Uh, the report was entitled the CPP Take-Up Decision and they compared somebody taking it out at age 65 against somebody who took it out at age 70 and just basically took cash out of their RSP to mimic what they would have got under the CPP. So who was better off? Well, first of all, the report mentioned that 95% of Canadians take it at the age of 65 on average. So that's what we're normally doing, but is that the best thing? The answer was no from this report. They said that basically 75 to 80% of people would be better off delaying the receipt of it. So we really need to think about that. Um, they also said that there are some real qualitative factors here. For example, you know, if you're getting money, higher amounts from the CPP, that CPP payment, that protects you from inflation. It protects you from market risk. It protects you from living too long. Uh, so there are a lot of reasons why you probably want to do it. So, you know, how long is too long? <laughs> I don't know, Caitlin. It depends what you say next. Anyways, Hugh, <laughs> how are you doing? You don't want to be outliving your money. And uh, Joe, I find it surprising that the report said virtually everybody takes this at age 65. I mean, mm -hmm. why would you go right in the middle? And I think it's psychological. I don't want a penalty. I'm not letting it be reduced because I take it early. But mm -hmm. I don't need the bonus. I wonder how many more people would run it right out to age 70 if it was presented as, here's what you get at age 70, and here's how much it's discounted if you take it before that. Good point. The report is great for giving you numbers to feel better about the decision. But let's continue on. We have a Tax Court of Canada case here uh, where we have an individual that didn't seem to be able to properly segregate his personal life from his business life, his personal expenditures from his business expenditures. So we saw a ton of these personal amounts flow through the corporation. We saw childcare payments. Uh, flow through. We have payments to family members that weren't even employees or shareholders of the corporation. We saw payment for jewelry, toys, none of this business related flowing through the corporation. And the CRA and the court really took the taxpayer to task here. Not only do we have those expenses denied as deductions in the corporation, we also clearly see uh, a full income inclusion on that individual 
the sole shareholders' uh, personal return. But they didn't stop there. We also saw these really uh, sizable gross negligence penalties being applied not only on the individual side, but also on the corporate side and interest ticking along uh, being levied on these overdue taxes. So significant costs here for, you know, not properly segregating these two entities, business and personal. And Hugh, you had a couple interesting thoughts on some specific expenses run through the corporation. Okay, these things always terrify me because the client's answer is always, yeah, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, surprise, the worst thing that could happen is instead of taking personal income once, you can take the same personal income plus a corporate income hit plus a penalty. Yeah. But the one item that really stood out for me in this case was he was making payments to his former spouse, so the ex, as salaries from the company. Mm -hmm. And predictably, the answer was, well, that wasn't incurred to earn income, so you don't have a corporate deduction. We've got all those bad things we already talked about, but... He could have had an even better result if he had structured that properly. Why don't you just increase your own salary instead of paying the X? Now the corporation still has its deduction. You're going to have the personal income, but if you have spousal support payments, those are deductible. So you could be personally paying spousal support and ending up in exactly the same income position you tried to get to by inappropriately running that wage through the company not had the administration costs of payroll, not had to pay CPP on the payments to your ex, and obviously not had that huge risk of paying really three times potentially the tax you should have had to pay. So pretty, a pretty scary case. What's the worst that could happen? This is a fantastic case to walk through. <laughs> so positive, Caitlin. Oh, yes. Let's, let's talk about another issue here, and this is something that a lot of people are missing out on, and it could be a really big deal, the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy. So uh, not a lot of take-up on this program, but right now, especially with the new version of it, it is very broadly applicable, very broadly available. All you need is any revenue decline. Uh, any now, Jim. <laughs> well, there you go. Any Yay, revenue decline. <laughs> so I, I just want to talk about like the, the reasons why uh, you know most should be able to to claim this. First of all, uh, we now have nine periods that are open, so you know you likely have at least a revenue decline in one of those nine periods. It's a little more difficult in the first four to get it, but the last five periods, uh, yeah, any decline. So that's one thing. Also, when you're looking at comparison and, and what do you compare to get your revenue decline, you have so many different options. You can compare to last year's same month. You can compare to the January, February of this year. You can do this comparison for your last month. And if you're better that month than this one, or I should say bigger decline last month than this one, you use those numbers. So, I mean, it's almost impossible not to experience a revenue decline or be eligible for this program. So we really got to think about this. So really, first step is you want to go to the Canada uh, or, or the wage subsidy calculator.ca. Just type in a couple numbers there of revenue to find out if you're eligible for it, to what extent. And when you see the dollars there, this is going to be a big deal. So business owners, that's step one. Step two is to talk to your accountant because there are a number of issues, things you want to watch out for along the way. And if you're an accountant, you've got to make sure all your clients know about this and are trying out the calculator themselves. Because if they find out they could have been entitled to $50,000 and you didn't tell them about it, that is a big deal. So let them know about the calculator. Let them know that you need to have that conversation. One of the questions I sometimes get is, okay, so my revenues declined for whatever reason, but it had nothing to do with COVID. 
can I still benefit from this COVID-related program? And the answer is absolutely. It's a mathematical formula. You do the math, you have the revenue decline. Well, then you can make the claim and, and provided you meet all the other criteria. So uh, not contingent on COVID causing that drop in revenue. Joe, I'm not sure how many people are out there going 50,000, how many people qualify for that. But from the claims I'm seeing over all those periods, 50,000 is pretty light for many businesses. So you certainly don't want to dismiss this without running the math. Mm -hmm. Well, let's continue on. Another court case here, individual. Uh, she purchased four rental properties and she used a particular realtor. And in exchange for using that particular realtor, the realtor gave her a kickback, gave her a payment in excess of $20,000. The taxpayer thought, you know what, this is a gift because my realtor is just so kind and compassionate. Um, so I'm not going to report it. I don't think I need to report it. CRA had other opinions. The court agreed with the CRA full income inclusion on that payment from the realtor. Now, that's just one piece of the story. Unfortunately for the taxpayer here in the year preceding that, uh, they also missed reporting some investment income. They missed reporting some of the numbers from a T3 slip. It happened. Unfortunately, the CRA assessed the taxpayer with a pretty sizable penalty for failing to report an amount of income two times for two separate years in a four-year period. Now, to avoid that assessment, you can say you were duly diligent in either one of those years. Did the court find the tax purchase to be duly diligent? And the court said, no. If they focused on the investment side, they said, you know what, you missed reporting that income. That means you're inattentive. If you're inattentive, Clearly, you're not duly diligent. Uh, so uh, unfortunately, those pretty big penalties were upheld in addition to the uh, payment from the realtor. So a tough day for that individual. Okay, it seems like we see cases like that every few months. And it's always, not only is it always investment income that got missed, it's always those T3 slips that don't get issued until the end of March and don't show up in the mail until early April. You got to make sure those get on the return. If you file early, then you got to adjust and put them back. That's a 20% of income penalty. That's a lot of dollars. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you very much and have yourself a great one. The Video Tax News team has been providing Canadian professionals with practical tax information for over 30 years. Subscribe to one of our tax newsletters or join us as we present live and online seminars relating to both personal and corporate tax. For more details, visit www.videotax.com. The preceding information is for general informational purposes only and deals with dynamic, time-sensitive, and complex matters that may not apply to particular facts and circumstances. Information provided should not be relied upon as a substitute for specialized professional advice in connection with any particular matter. For more details, see www.videotax.com disclaimer. Copyright Video Tax News, Inc., 2020, all rights reserved.